ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. When masked men clad in black tried to demonstrate in Sydney on Australia Day, police were quick to use the powers they have to get rid of them. They were neo-Nazis from across the country, and for three days straight they gathered before being moved on. So apart from making a scene, what do these men want and what are they capable of? I'm Sam Hawley on Gadigal Land in Sydney. This is ABC News Daily. They were confronting scenes on Australia Day, a pack of neo-Nazis, many hiding behind masks. The group of more than 60 masked men were intercepted by police at North Sydney Station after they boarded the train a few stops earlier. Hi, I'm Kaz Ross and I'm a researcher into far-right extremism. Kaz, you've been looking into these far-right groups and monitoring their communication for a really long time. The images we saw on Australia Day were really confronting, weren't they? You know, men all in black, faces covered, marching down the street. Just paint a picture for me what was unfolding. Just tell me what we were seeing. So what we saw was, as you say, a bunch of men, over 60 of them, mostly young, wearing black, black hats, black shirts, wearing logos on their jackets, marching along the streets of Sydney, being evicted from a train in North Sydney. Uh, One of them was carrying a big drum. We hear from police reports that they also had shields, although we've not seen any images of the shields. So basically um, a group of over 60 men meeting on a beautiful sunny 38 degree day in Sydney, dressed all in black Mm. with their faces covered. And I think I saw a banner they were carrying which said Australia for the white man. Yeah, so that was their main message. Uh, their, their main message is that white people are being genocided in Australia and that they think that Australia Day has been co-opted by a multicultural agenda. Mm. And so that's why they marched on Australia Day. That's the banner that they had. They also carried the Union Jack flag, although mm. I noticed for most of the time they were carrying it upside down oh. unintentionally. Right. Yeah, so they do have other banners as well that they didn't show on that day. Often their banners are things like Australia conquered, not stolen, and messages like that. Mm, And on the day you posted a video of one of the marches on your social media account. Just tell me about that. So this was after they'd been evicted from the train in North Sydney and they were marching back north to their cars And so they were marching along two by two. As somebody said on social media, they're not quite ready to invade Poland. Their marching isn't very Mm, good. But they were marching along. They had their drum at the front. They were carrying their banners. And when you see them all like that in a group, although the streets were quite empty, it is still a very confronting sight. And we know now that they weren't just from Sydney. They'd come from interstate, from Victoria. So just tell me a bit more about what they were trying to achieve by this. 
Right. So it's actually a group called the National Socialist Network. Mm -hmm. They're based in Melbourne is where their headquarters are, but they have branches all over Australia in every state. And what we saw in Sydney on the weekend was that about half of them were actually from New South Wales, regional New South Wales and from Sydney. And then there was a sizable contingent came on a bus from Melbourne. There were some from Tasmania, South Australia and Queensland. So what they were showing was that they're actually a national organisation. They're not just a Melbourne organisation. They're organised in a model called the Active Club model, which comes out of America, but it's a very, very successful model for the far right in Europe, Mm -hmm. which is that groups regionally, locally based, meet together to do what they call tribe and train. By that, they mean train, working out, doing uh, bodybuilding, getting fit, learning boxing skills and fighting skills, kickboxing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the training side of it. And the tribing side of it is learning ideological stuff together, uh, self-improvement and working as an effective brotherhood or as an effective group. The New South Wales Premier Chris Minns and the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese quickly condemned the demonstration. I was horrified by those images. They have no role in Australia. We have seen a rise in neo-Nazi activity on extreme right-wing activity. There is no place for this kind of fascism, neo-Nazism or far-right extremism on this great day, Australia Day. In New South Wales, the police have the ability to unmask you. So in front of your family, your friends, your employers, your co-workers, you'll be exposed as a massive racist. And that's the situation but, Kaz, do these people really care if they're named and shamed as Chris Minns says they should be? Yes, they do. They definitely do. Mm-hmm. They themselves have said that if they can prove that it's safe to walk around the streets in a group, they'll get hundreds if not thousands of more followers. And by safe, they mean that you're not going to be named and you're not going to be shamed. It's an effective way of putting people off. Deterrence actually is naming and shaming. As we mentioned, there was, you know, around 60 people at that march on Australia Day. So it's not a huge group, let's face it. But what sort of reach do these people have beyond, I suppose, what you see on the streets? I think that um, in the inner core of National Socialist Network in terms of members, they've probably got somewhere around 100 to 120 across Mm. the country. Then they've got a wider group, the European Australia Movement, which is for the families. Mm. So that European Australia Movement, nobody really knows what the numbers are because they don't get out doing demonstrations and stunts and things like that. That could be a few hundred, but they do have a reach far beyond what you would think from the numbers. For example, in Melbourne, when they did some stunts in Melbourne last year, that led directly to the expulsion of a politician, Moira Deeming, from the Liberal Party. Liberal MP Moira Deeming was at the Let Women Speak anti-trans rights rally when more than two dozen neo-Nazis joined the protest, performing the Hitler salute on the steps of Victoria's parliament. In a statement, Ms Deeming said none of the organisers were involved with neo-Nazis and she condemned the actions of the masked men in black. And so one of their impacts that they have is on shifting the cultural narratives around things like immigration and housing. They were very active in the referendum, the voice referendum last year, pushing the no vote. 
So one of their strategies is to push debates in Australia further and further to the right. They themselves don't believe in elections. They don't believe in electing a politician to solve the problem. They believe the whole system has to be restructured around white men. So they're not interested in running for election or anything like that, but they are interested in pushing the debates. Let's have a look now then at what power police have to really stop these sorts of gatherings. Tell me first, how did police respond on Australia Day? Uh, The police responded in a very interesting manner. So Mm. the first thing that they did was slow down the train to give themselves time to get their orders in place. And then they basically went onto the train and then they forced them to hand over their identities. They charged charged them with public transport infringements and they booted them off the train. They also then said, you must leave this local government area. And then over the weekend, as the group kept forming and trying to do various other stunts, those bands for the local government areas got wider and wider. So first one area, then two areas, and then seven areas of the Sydney local government areas. So they basically used existing laws and existing regulations to get them off the train, to get their masks off, to get their identities, and then to move them on so that they couldn't gather and do some of their intimidating stunts. So that's how police dealt with it on Australia Day. We've also, Kaz, of course, seen some changes to laws in recent times. The federal government and the Victorian government, they've criminalised the Nazi salute and New South Wales is doing the same. But does that really go far enough, do you think? Because obviously the Nazi salute wasn't used by those people gathering on Australia Day. I think the Nazi salute ban's been very effective. Mm. If we didn't have the Nazi salute ban, we would have seen 61 Nazi salutes going on. Mm. And that's even more intimidating. Some people say that these sorts of bans, like banning the swastika or banning the Nazi salute is not effective because they can use other methods and other symbols. But as we've seen on the weekend, we didn't see 61 um, Hitler salutes going on. Mm. And they didn't have any other gesture to replace that. So it was effective to do that ban. Mm. Kaz, tell me, it's a small but really concerning movement that we're seeing. So I guess the question is, how do we stop it growing any further? Right. That's a really (sighs) tough question. I think we've got to look at the drivers for why people join. First of all, it's all men. So we've got to look at what's going on for young men in particular, that they find this group appealing. Some of them, they're just very childish. They love the group because it means they can be as racist and offensive as they like. So for some of those people, they might grow out of it. But there are real economic drivers in terms of people see not much future in a university education, for example. So what are you going to do? Like, I'm not going to go to uni. I don't want to get a debt. Am I going to get a job? Jobs insecurity. Where am I going to live? All of that kind of thing. So it's a a challenge in our society to address some of those underlying economic and social concerns. But for me, I think one of the main things that we're not doing 
is providing enough resources to families and to communities. So as an educator, I get people writing to me quite frequently saying, I don't know what to do about my teenage son. I think he's going down this path of radicalization. Should I just let him explore it and come out of it the other side himself? Or should I try and do something? There's nowhere to refer those people to really. In my view, the most effective action is community action where we look at the people in our world, we look at the people we're interacting with and we care for them and we think, hey, this person, yeah, they've got some offensive views, but now they're getting worse. Now they're becoming extremist and radicalised. And I think that that's where we as community need many, many more resources to do that kind of thing. Mm, And what do you think our authorities, you know, governments, police, spy agencies, ASIO, are they taking this seriously enough? I think they're taking it very, very seriously. Just remembering that we don't always see the action that the that those agencies are taking. So we don't see the events that haven't occurred because they've been prevented. And we don't know what the numbers would have been like if those agencies hadn't been acting. So I think that we are taking it seriously, but they're in our cities, they're in our towns already. So it's something that we as communities need to really look at. Kaz Ross is a researcher into far-right extremism. This episode was produced by Bridget Fitzgerald and Nell Whitehead. Audio production by Sam Dunn. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.